Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan. This is another episode of Bewildered, the podcast, as we know, for people who are trying to figure it out. Mm. And and Rowan, what are you trying to figure out? You know, Marty, this week I am thinking, as I so often do, about Mm. our small child, Ah. Lila. Yes. Lila is at a developmental phase right now where she's beginning to understand self other. Mm -hmm. You know, like not Mm. everything is Lila. Some things aren't Lila. And in wait, what? Go back. I know. I know. But all look, things are Lila. All things are Lila in a way. But in another way, they're not. And so what <laughs> what it does to her is as she sees that other things aren't her, she also gets more of a sense of her, who she is uh-huh. in the world. And sure, it's kind sure. of interesting. Like she sometimes refers to herself in the third person mm. as Yaya. She sometimes refers to herself in the first person with an Australian accent. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. If she starts saying, we, she also re- says th- some things in a British accent because of her favorite show. And so she calls sparkling water, water, fizzy water. <laughs> and as soon as she starts saying, bring us some fizzy water, we will know she has delusions of monarchy. She, I mean, Fizzy water, like giving our child. Anyway, whatever. You guys, I just think it's ridiculous that she's got a taste for Perrier. Hey, if you got to give your child a treat and your spouse, naming no names, doesn't believe in sugar. I don't believe in sugar either. <laughs> sugar is, doesn't even exist in my world. But you got to give the kids something. And fizzy water is not exactly a health crisis is what I'm saying. No, it it's potentially like... A- a crisis of a social crisis like a social crisis yes we can go it's not exactly marxist i'll grant you that anyway so a very cute thing happened and that's my whole thing that i've brought to show and tell today (laughs) which is that karen was walking up the stairs with lila a few nights ago and lila was trying to carry things and she couldn't really carry and navigate the stairs and at one point she burst out in some desperation i think Oh, cuckoo, I'm so tiny. <laughs> oh, she was so tiny, Maddie. Oh, poor 
tiny. Mm. Aren't we all tiny? Don't we all feel that way? Yeah. I feel that way all the time. Who who wrote that beautiful little couplet? Oh, Lord, your ocean is so big and my boat is so small. Some French Mm. monk, I think. It's funny that your mind went to that, whereas my mind went to a bit that I think was from Spike Milligan maybe, where he says, as I lay there in the night looking out over the millions of stars and galaxies it just made me reflect on how insignificant they are (laughs) (laughs) everything is lala (laughs) so what are you trying to figure out marty oh my gosh i'm sorry i'm trying not to be like of the past century or anything but my electronic gadgets are scaring the life out of me I believe that they have gone fully AI and are now conspiring against me. They are biting the hand that that recharges them. (laughs) Say more. Okay, so I'm in the car, which is plugged into my phone. The car is plugged into your phone? Yes, it is. My phone plugged into the car. The car plugged into the phone. Oh, I see. Potato, potato, hello. All right, I'm with you. So, um, So it's plugged into my phone and my phone has Siri. And then I have a watch that is also linked that says things to me mm-hmm. with Siri, mm-hmm. Siri being the ultimate Uber servant of all the peoples. So I, this is what I do when I th- have an idea for a book, for my book, when I'm driving in the car, I send myself a text. <laughs> and so when I think about you, I text myself. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is what happened yesterday. I'm driving along in the car and I think of a really good thing to say in my book, like, and I say to myself, so I say to the car, hey, Siri. And the car says, uh-huh. And my watch a second later says, uh-huh. And I say, send a text to Martha Beck. Why are you showing me your phone right now? <laughs> Siri was listening to you telling the story. I'm telling you they're after me. <laughs> anyway, so it says, I say, send a text to Martha Beck, because I have learned in the past that saying, send me a text, just make Siri go, who the hell are you? (laughs) She goes, I don't know who you are. I don't know how to respond to that. I'm so tiny. (laughs) I was talking about some parenting crisis the other day, and my watch said, I don't know how to respond to that. And And you said, you and me both, pal. I did. And then it said, don't worry about it, Martha. (laughs) <laughs> so, anyway, but that's another time. It's all part of the conspiracy. So I'm in the car. I say, send a text to Martha Beck. And what Siri says at that point is, what do you want it to say? And then whatever I say, like, flippity gibbet, she'll say, okay, your text to Martha Beck says, flippity gibbet, send it. And I say, yes. And she says, done. Okay. okay. An so easy relationship. That's on an on the average day. Servant employer. Yeah, that's the typical thing. Okay. But now I've got two of them. My watch and my car both have series. What? So, yes. I say, Wait, but are they not a unitary consciousness? I thought they were, but they're not. Because one say, I, I say, send a text to Martha Beck. Mm-hmm. And the car says, what do you want it to say? Mm-hmm. And then my my watch says, your text to Martha Beck says, what do you want it to say? And then my car says, your text to Martha Beck says, your text to Martha Beck says, what do you want it to say? And then my watch says, your text to Martha Beck says, your text to Martha Beck says, your text to Martha Beck says, what do you want me to say? It was an auditory 
Hall of Mirrors. It was an existential crisis. And I, I truly think it was, I was like, am I the only thing in the universe? Am I nothing? Are they everything? What is the, who is God here? I have no idea. And so I just drove into a bush, ended it all. What so, else could you have done really? I haven't in that figured this out at all. I'm just like sitting with it in meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Someone told you once. I forget who, but someone told you if you're ever like in a meeting or in any sort of situation where you don't know how to respond to someone and they like ask you a question, you don't know, you have to say, thank you. I'll meditate on that and get back to you. That is so, that is just so. Oh, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I meditate, but not that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like Eckhart Tolle talks about this man that came up to him and, and Eckhart said, um, where were you born? And the man said, I was never born. And Eckhart said, of course it's true. But when he said it, it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know that the enlightened can also find people, pretentious people unbearably annoying. I think that's, I think that is part and parcel of enlightenment. Mm. But how would I know? I'm just still try- out there trying to sell- send myself a text. We'll be right back with more Bewildered. I have a favour to ask. You might not know this, but ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. They get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of. That's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favourite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple, and giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain. And uh, a review would also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. So honestly, what's today's topic, Ro? Honestly. Honestly. I will, I, will, I will do my best to be honest about today's topic. Mm-hmm. Look, let, well, why don't I just tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to be dishonest about today's topic? I just didn't know how to lead into it. <laughs> I didn't have any interstitial like. Segway? Segway material. Segway content. Ooh. Just right. say, I've been meditating about this. I've been meditating on today's topic. On today's topic since yes. I was born which I never was. (laughs) Today on the Bewildered Podcast, which is the podcast that we are on right at this very moment, you and I are going to be discussing the different ways that one travels in our lives between where we are and where we want to be. Oh, so not 
not in the car driving into bushes out of confusion, but traveling metaphorically through our life course. That's right. Metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of that? Yes. I think that's a good topic because people keep asking me about it. It seems to be what everyone wants to know. Everyone wants to know how to get from where we are Mm -hmm. to where we want to be Hmm. in our lives. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody seems to, to have it. Everybody's asking. Yeah, I just realized how actually quite vague this topic is, but that's great. We're going to go somewhere specific with it. I know we are. Of course we are. We're just going to drive until we end up in a spot (laughs) and that will be our specific. If we get confused, we'll just send ourselves a text. No, seriously, it's about like you set goals and you move toward them. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed that people often, including myself, often set goals and are certain that we're moving toward them at a crisp and unflagging pace, only to look around and see that we've been in bed for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Like it (laughs) doesn't, like the, the heat of the joy of the goal setting experience is not perpetuated indefinitely. Oh, that is so true and well put. Thank you. So what what does our culture say about this um, marching towards our goals? Well, it says, you know, give it a good push, you know, set a goal and then work toward it every day. Maybe put an app on your phone. It'll check it off if you do it. You're going to do it every day because there's an app and you said you would and it'll just happen. And I don't think that it ever happens that way. What, Marty, is a one rep max? One rep max is a man. He and I were together (laughs) before I was gay. Um, No. Okay. So this is, this is what the culture says about goals is that every day you should be able to do what in weightlifting terms would be called your one rep max or your, the most weight you can lift the maximum weight you can lift just one time. So it's like if you watch the Olympics and they're lifting like 650 pounds. By the way, I had a friend who was an Olympian. They they used to go to the weightlifting competitions to see who could record the loudest fart. That's something you didn't need to know, but now you do. Well, but also like that sounds like a more interesting thing to do than just like sit there and go, "Ooh, that looks heavy." (laughs) (laughs) They weren't. Yeah, they weren't farting. The weightlifters were farting. Yeah, no, I know, but but what about the other people watching? They're just they like, probably Ooh, weren't farting as loudly. Because when you heave six hundred and fifty pounds above your head, like your intestine has to be in on the the festivities. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It's like vroom vroom. Well, that's my theory. Anyway, a one rep max <laughs> is the most weight you can lift. And after you have lifted it just once, you're like hamburger. You go staggering off and, and then you blink in a code that says you wish to be bathed. And um, that's all you can do. Well, we take the, the one day when we are at maximum productivity mm. and like clean living and all of that. And we think, okay, well, I'll, I'll just do that every day. It yeah. doesn't work like that, folks. Yeah, and there's also something I think where the the mood that you're in, like setting goals itself, yeah, is quite a lot more fun than doing the work so, each day to meet the goal. Oh, I would say because so. when I'm setting goals, I'm like <clears throat> looking in like into the middle distance, like imagining myself being this shinier, absolutely, uh, more energetic, more consistent person. Oh, yeah. 
than yeah. I am. And that's quite fun. So it's actually quite a creative la la. Yeah. But I tell you what's not creative, just incrementally doing shit every day. Not for um, us. Maybe it's maybe it's like our personality type or something. But I, you know, zillions of people have asked me about life, and that's they also have this problem. So I think you're really right, and and it's just oh, how do we how do we get ourselves to do it? We we've been trying to do this, help each other do this forever. Mm, mm. We have a really fun thing that we do periodically <laughs> where there'll be like a morning and we'll notice that we're both like in quite a sparky mood Oh yeah, and we'll realise that this is the perfect morning for a mode de vie conversation. Mode de vie! And we'll start running around the house like exclaiming, it's time for a new mode de vie. New mode de vie. I got this phrase from a woman who was my landlady in Cambridge, Massachusetts, like a thousand years ago, Madame Geechen. And Madame Geechen was always having a new mode de vie. And she would come <laughs> rap on the door and she would ask us to take some of her furniture off her hands. We had, we, there was just all this furniture in the apartment we were renting from her because she was always redoing her mode de vie. Oh. She wanted to save the old furniture and she just kept stuffing it into the apartment I was living in. So yeah, she'd knock on the door and she'd say, I have decided on a new mode to be. And we would have to deal with the with the fallout. But you and I took that phrase and we run with it. Yeah, like I'd say we probably have a, a few like moments of new mode to be a year. Do you think that's fair? Oh, I think we spark it up of like once a month. Sometimes, maybe. I don't know. But can I tell you the difficulty of this? Some days we get up and we're both in the mood to be, new mode to be. That means way of life, by the way, for anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mode of life. It doesn't mean Lifestyle. like pie mode to be or whatever, apple pie mode to be. That's a la mode. Anyway, we get up. We're both sparking the mode to be. It's like, yay, Rowie, let's do this and let's do that. And you're like, yes, yes. And we dance around and Karen's like, what is the matter with you two? Hmm. And, and then, we say, we have no idea. We have no idea. And then like two weeks later, I'll get up and I'm like, mode de vie time. And I remember the day we danced about. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Rowie, let's do the mode de vie. And you'll come in and you're like, I was up with the baby the entire night. And the big sparkly mode de vie exercise energy smashes heavily into your exhaustion. Yeah. So like, let's give the listeners a sense of like what our mode de vie conversations consist of. So usually it's like, because we both do different things that are not that quantifiable necessarily, we try to like bring in the numbers and I'm going to get up at 625 in the morning and I'm going to Right, 975 words because I found an app. We know how the culture oh, loves apps. apps um, that calculates like when I want to have my draft of my new book done mm-hmm. and how many days between then and now. And blah, blah, blah. and so it tells me, okay, you got to write 975 words a day between now and March 21st. And if you miss a single day, I'm going to recalculate, recalculating. <gasps> and... So it's that sort of thing, like what time we're going to get up in our new mode to be, how much we're going to achieve and And produce. You know, the worst time for me to do this when I have friggin' jet lag, because that's the only time that I just wake up at five as bright as a new penny. And I'm like, I'm a morning person. (laughs) Isn't that weird (laughs) how compelling that is? Like you do something once that works and getting up early is a classic one for you and I, and, and it's just like, I guess. This is what I'm like now. I know, right? I'm like, who knew? I didn't used to be, but as based on the evidence of the last three hours, I am now for the rest of my life. I am a morning person. I have arrived. 
I absolutely <laughs> have arrived at what I wanted to be my entire life. Woo, that sucked. I'm so glad to be me finally. <laughs> Let's jam our mornings full of wonderful things. It will be amazing. And then when it's gone, when you get up, you're like, who the F was that? Screw what kind of that asshole was that that committed me to this? I want to kill that person. I'll yeah. help. Yeah. Sorry, I have the energy. Too. You know, maybe maybe on a, when you're sparkly and I'm not. Maybe could we could like, find a really passive way to kill them, like poison. Go back in time and I say just. I can't even be bothered to think about how we might I know, do it. It's Logistics. Too I commit murder with on those bad days. No, oh, no. And if it was a good day, we'd probably do something. You know, like get some words written. Spectacular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get some words written and murder. No, we would never commit murder. We would never write pages. <laughs> <laughs> Try us and see. So one of the things that occurred to me as we were talking, sort of starting to circle this topic a little bit, is. Um, there's a tool that you teach in, in your Wayfinder coach training, which mm-hmm. is called the ideal day exercise. Mm. And so it's like a kind of visioning exercise, folks. Like it's sort of, um, it's a way, it's in a way it, what it's doing is uncovering what your dreams actually are mm-hmm. and, and where the obstacles might be. So yeah. it's a coaching tool. And, but what is really hard, and this is the one rep max thing is that when you, it's called the ideal day exercise, but what Marty actually asks you to do when you're doing this imaginative thing is it's not actually your ideal day. What it is, is you're imagining the most normal day in your ideal life. So nothing special's happening that day. And so it's not a pinnacle, but it's like, and so that's the thing with how many reps can you do right. every workout right. rather than can you lift 650 um, pounds. Yeah. Once. And you have to get, it's so interesting because you know, if people have really sucked up the culture a lot when they do this exercise, because this is what they tell you every time. Sorry for all you who are having your ideal day creation mode stolen from you by this. They always say, I wake up in a, a room with white walls full of their windows everywhere with white curtains blowing in the wind. And I'm in a white bed and I have a white peasant blouse I seem to be on Santorini um the border outside is is crystal blue and every building is painted white yes and I get out and I float in my peasant blouse and my my peasant I don't know skirt even for men my peasant underwear yeah I put on my white sandals and I drink a white coffee and I go is this a yeah this is a really really um bigoted sort of (laughs) Uh, anyway it's always blank 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 it's like blank paper like they haven't been taught how to dig in and find out what they actually want yeah it's actually it sounds like a a brochure for a holiday right and it's just so blank and aren't they always like sitting by the pool sitting on the beach like there's only those sort of holiday images sorry vacation images they're always on the damn beach i'm sorry on the wonderful beach because honest to god how many people would just go to the beach every single day of their life of their ideal life some people yes but these are people who've never even been to the beach by day five, they'd be losing their minds, but the white sand is there and yeah, yeah, it's all blank. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like what 
what do we populate our dreams with, Hmm. you know, and it's like no wonder we're so obsessed with the numbers, like the I'm going to get up at 6.15 in the morning and write 975 words because we're focusing on the wrong bit. We're focusing on the journey and we've got no idea what the destination is. So we just, it's got to be 975 because the the future is blank. Yeah. Is blank flowing curtains. Can I say something though? And I'm, I know I'm going to beat this one to death because it's the book I'm writing. But the left hemisphere is what we're thinking of when we sit down and calculate what we're going to do and when we use language. And it can't imagine for shit. It, all it knows how to do is count things and rank them and achieve them. But if you want something original, you have to actually let go of that way of thinking and sort of roam off into the imagination of the right hemisphere, which is not verbal and can't count. <laughs> Can I ask you about that? Because that's quite interesting. So when I am in one of those mode de V mm. modes. <laughs> one of those mode modes. A mode mode. Mode mode a la mode, please. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like it to say? <laughs> oh, stop. Listen. Yes. To me. Yes. Because um, I'm in serious danger of losing my train of thought. Mm. When I'm in a mode mode, I, you're saying I'm using my left hemisphere. If you're counting like that, yeah. Yeah. So why does it feel creative, which is the right hemisphere? Why does it feel so fun and juicy and well, creative? The truth is we're using our whole brains almost all the time. It's just wow. a matter of, I know. It's a matter of dominance. You really can't see what the different hemispheres specialize in until somebody has brain damage, or now they can kind of see it on MRIs. But um, the deal is that you and I especially love to imagine things forward more mm. than a lot of people do. That's really where we live is in the <laughs> imagination of fabulous things that we will never get around to. <laughs> Karen gets around to things. We just daydream. Um <laughs> So what's happening is you're fetching ideas from the right side of the brain and then the left side goes, oh, I could count that. Mm, And then you're like, oh, I count that. But then you slip into the right side and you say, I'm a machine. I'm a robot. (laughs) I just, I'm going to do 975 words every day. Like there is no, just clockwork. That's me. Mm -hmm. And the right hemisphere of the brain is going, I live in Marsland or whatever. This came from no, I don't know how <laughs> came from the right hemisphere. How the muse speaks to me. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's just what came in. Yeah. I'm so tiny. <laughs> I'm so tiny, Karen. So I am always doing this thing. Like, I think I've even talked about it on this podcast probably multiple times, and I mm-hmm. don't remember because that's also a part of my spacey personality. So I set up these really ambitious things. It's the funnest thing in the world to set up, to imagine myself being so productive and so wholesome as well. So it always involves like the right Aww. amount of exercise and the farmer's Aww. market and the stirring of the soup with the barley or whatever I put in there, you know. And that's what I love about you. I just look at you and go, oh man, she's so wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty so, wholesome. Yeah. So yeah, so it's and food and yeah. Yeah. I just I love it. And I am it's actually more I'm more consistent in me having these sessions of dreaming up my future than I am in being able to enact what I've set up even a handful of times. <laughs> I will more often have a goal setting session than I will actually do one increment of reaching the goal. I would, I did not, 
say that you said that <laughs> I have noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what you've noticed about me it's like I many will get things. Up and I will write my damn, however many thousand words and I will do it by hook or by crook mm -hmm. through hell and high water. I will get up and I will do it. I will write a thousand words. And I say, Ro, I wrote a thousand words, even though I'm exhausted and I haven't slept past five for a week. And I'll say, listen to what I wrote. Cause I'm always doing that to you following you around the house. Going, listen to what I wrote, Ro. Listen you go, to what I wrote. Maybe I could just read you a few pages. <laughs> no, listen to what I wrote. What do you want it to say? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I read the thousand pages and Ro just looks at me and she goes, okay. <laughs> because it is her way of, of trying to gently break it to me that I have written complete dog's breakfast horrible listeners yeah. you have to know that what martha beck queen of integrity just said is a dirty filthy lie you heard <gasps> it here first that is a lie <gasps> i how know. so rowan mangan because you shut your have... wet mouth <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd never write crap honey oh, but you I do no, it's Some never. Some of it's published. People know. I can't deny it. <laughs> well, this is subjective and I never say those things to you, nor do Aww. I think that. Yeah, you just say, okay. Yeah, I do say so that. The thing. Maybe you could try giving mm -hmm. this character, I don't know, a storyline. Maybe you could, in that paragraph, make a point. Mm. Yeah. I think I say things like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's it's good. Like that. <laughs> That's it. Oh, God. And the most terrifying thing is that when Ro really loves something that I've written, she gets this deep, angry scowl. And I'm like, ah, ah, and I'm reading faster and faster, trying to make it sound entertaining. And she goes, I let it, I get to the end and I'm ready and I'm braced for it. And she goes, Marty, that is the best thing you've ever written. Yeah. <sighs> that's like, how I enjoy things okay I don't waste any of my enjoyment energy on oh does my face look happy what's the point of that I'm busy enjoying it gives me heart failure it's I, I just want to warn everyone about something related which is if you go to South Africa be very very gentle when you're getting feedback because a South African will pause for a long moment when they totally agree with you and then say no you're right. No, they that's in Australian. That well. How would a South African? No, you're right. I don't know how they talk. No, you've lost it. And I'm not going to try because it's just. No, you're right, mate. I can do Australia because <laughs> it's right here in the room with me. <laughs> it is in the room. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so that's that's what I do. I try to get my mode de vie going and then I just drag myself along meeting the quota, the various quotas of my new mode de vie until I completely flame out create terrible work and gen generally end up either having surgery or having a month-long convalescence from some illness. The other thing that you do, and this is often more true when um, when you're writing really, really well, mm. is you'll do three times as much as you planned to, yeah. but nothing else that was intended. Mm. Yeah. And so a lot of other things fall by the wayside. Oh, yeah. But 
books get written, honey. Oh, yeah. Written. But emails do not get written. No, emails don't. No. That's... All of y'all waiting for my email response? I'm so sorry. I have ADD and I have my, I am hyper-focused. But all of those waiting for the next book, you've got good news for you. <laughs> you've got great news in like a year and a half. Okay. <laughs> books right. are slow, Rowie. Okay. Oh, so, Marty, how do we figure all this out? I am going to tell you exactly how to figure this out in a minute. I've always been weird. (laughs) When I write and speak professionally, I have to tone it down, especially the part where I believe the universe loves us and is on our side. A few years ago, I decided to just show up online and say what I really think. This became The Gathering Pod, a series of discussions about how to thrive in a difficult world. So if you need hope, inspiration, or a chance to listen to someone much weirder than you could ever be, come join me on The Gathering Pot. All right. How do we figure it out? Okay. So the first thing is, I just, I'm going to get didactic again. Oh boy. Every single one of us has what's called a negativity bias. I'm sure I I've don't. talked about it. Like, <laughs> I do not. You're always saying things like that. <laughs> now, because it evolved, our, the brain evolved to keep us safe. Um, I've said this a million times, but I'll say it again. If you're in a room with a bunch of puppies and one cobra, you're going to pay attention to the cobra and not the puppies. The cobra will be biting the puppies. It's a horrible scenario. My brain is taking me there because of my negativity bias. It naturally says, but what could happen? What could go wrong? And when you get into a negative space, things are a lot more burdensome and a lot more frightening. And if you don't have a ton of energy to blast through your inherent negativity bias, which we all have, you're going to sort of grind to a halt. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I just did. (laughs) This is, I mean, I'm still, I'm still stuck on the cobra and the puppies. Right? That's exactly the thing. You get stuck on the cobra and the puppies. Don't look at your damn phone because the first doom scroll thing you see is going to suck the life out of your mode de vie. And the algorithm will just hand you more doom. Every oh, time you look at some doom, there's more doom. It, doom and it's, doom, it's doom, doom, incredibly doom. heavy, actually. We live so burdened by negative information from all over the place because the media, of course, is biased the same way our brains are biased. If it bleeds, well, it leads. It's right? made out of brains. Yes. <laughs> the whole internet <laughs> is just made out of chopped brains. <laughs> they just keep feeding us into it. So the point about negativity bias is that even when we um, are doing good things, yeah. some good things, yeah, yeah. if they're not if they're not at the lofty point of the of the mode de vie that we imagined, yeah. we our negativity bias will pull us into, oh, it's stupid. What's the point of it? I only wrote 971 words. That's where you always go. Mine is everybody's dying in, in some foreign country. Why am I alive? I must stop trying. Like it, there's, it, we have different versions of how we get weighed down into modes of activity that aren't the mode de vie we have planned. But And I agree. <laughs> when we start... When we see that we're not going to make that ultimate target, we're not going to do our very best, a lot of people just give up. Yeah. Yep. That sounds eerily familiar. It's interesting because um, reading the parenting stuff we like to talk about, um, Mm. anybody who's told, oh, you're super smart and you get everything right, Mm. is actually in a very, very precarious situation. 
yeah. you're told you work really hard, so keep at it, you're, you're going to be able to go on through failure. The studies about this are phenomenally clear, like because if something becomes hard, if you're told try, if, you, if, if your brain's um, mathematics says trying will get me there, mm-hmm. you will persist and if your brain says I guess I'm not smart anymore or this is harder mm-hmm. than my smartness reaches, and then so there is no sense of persistence and this is, oh, I mean, that's been a huge And you know the brutal irony of this is that the negativity attacks your talents first and foremost because that's what people have told you you're naturally good at. So I never wanted to be a writer. I never thought I was good at it. My sister was the writer. She's still, she's way more talented than I am. I was just a grind when it came to writing. Like I wanted to be an artist, right? Mm. A visual artist. Mm. And then my hands wouldn't work for a couple of decades and whatnot. And um, I was just like, oh, I guess I'll try writing books. I can like dictate into a computer. So. And now Siri wants to kill you. It, those two things are not unconnected. <laughs> but the, it's so brutal that the, the very thing they tell you you're good at, the day you can't be hmm. good at it, you're entire confidence gets shattered Wow! where some little grunt who's just been working their hardest and trying and failing and trying and failing, which is the only thing I've ever done as a writer is like getting it, ha- getting it to happen. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So the more you think you're bad at something, the better you'll do. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and if people have told you you're good at something, get up. All now, right. So how do we use this information? We've got a goal. Mm-hmm. I've still got the goal mm-hmm. of of right of drafting my novel or whatever. Well, the first thing is um, make sure your your goal is not just like a hallucination. Like that, that's the only thing a goal can ever really be because it doesn't exist yet. So you can only see there. it. Yeah. Okay. So a prefiguration of the goal, but you gotta you've got to feel a real charge for it. If it's something that you've mm. been culturally pressured to do, <gasps> oh, good point. Like they used to tell me, I should have I should have a radio show at Oprah uh, Harpo Studios, and I even got auditioned, and my throat closed completely when I did my auditions to the point where they're like, you cannot do radio. And look at you now, kid. It's because I really, really didn't in my heart want to make a radio show. That wasn't right for me. And my body like crashes on me to stop me because I will go toward a goal if I set it, right? Mm. So set a goal that really resonates with your whole self. That's, sorry, I'm always getting preachy. I need to set goals that really resonate with my true self to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of mosey toward them. You just plant a mosey. Not like, I will not rest until I've done this every day for six months. It's like, mm-hmm. eh, I'll try it. And, and I'll, I'll like poke it once a day. And yeah. then, yeah. And then accept that you're not even going to do that consistently. You're going to start, you're going to stop. You're going to start, you're going to stop. And if you stop and think, that means I should never start again or it's too late. That's really wrong. interesting. So that needs to to be sort of built into the goal setting somehow oh you know what this reminds me of so I went to see a I have a shoulder thing and I don't even know how to describe it it's a shoulder thing it hurts it hurts it's not like a fetish oh (laughs) (laughs) shoulder fetish that would be funny um all right and I went to the doctor about a a shoulder specialist and um 
And this is what he told me. He said, okay, so I know exactly what's going on, which was amazing. And then he, he said, okay, here are the exercises. Here's a piece of paper. Here are the exercises that you need to do every day to make this pain go away. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen from here. You're in a lot of pain, so you're going to do the exercises. The exercises are going to work. The pain will go away. You will immediately stop doing the exercises because there's no pain. Then the pain will come back. The pain will bother you. You'll start doing the exercises again. This is what the rest of your life is going to look like, Rowan. Please give me $100. Oh, 100 He was worth twice that. <laughs> <laughs> because that is great freaking advice. Isn't that cool? Everything that we will ever do. Yeah. I found it very liberating because he. it was like he knew me. It was like he knew you. <laughs> yeah. It's probably how he got to med school. Yeah, that's, that's true. awesome. And yeah. you know what? what? That's exactly what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing though how, just as a sort of side note, how much pain I have to be in before I will do true. Like, a like... selection of very simple exercises. Oh, I, I, would you hand me that glass of water? I, my shoulder. Uh, have you done your exercises? It's not bad enough yet. Must <laughs> be bad, man. And, that's a commentary on how hard it is to move every day toward a goal. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Marty. It's not even like you're driving a, an animal like a horse. It's like you're driving a wombat or I don't know, maybe like a snake or something that you really can't control. It just goes sort of where it wants, <laughs> but you still have to get it to go to the goal. That's true. That's true. Oh, I just went into nine different metaphors about what we could be driving. So <laughs> we actually, it's funny because as I think about this, I realize that I actually have known this enough about myself that there's certain scaffolds that I've put in place around myself sometimes, although I do always forget them. But remember how, you know, we got into this thing where I would say, you don't have to write your book every day, but you have to touch your book. And that can mean right. reading over what you wrote yesterday, just opening the damn document. Yeah. Like, and touch it in some way. Let your eyes touch a sentence from it. And, and you know, it's that that sort of thing where you're, you're trying to lead the horse to water, right, because you go right. in there and and then sometimes you'll be like, oh, I might just tinker a little bit while I'm in there. And that's how you trick yourself into actually doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, of course, you know, if touching is the goal, is the daily goal, then you, you kind of outsmart your own negativity bias yeah. because – I'm only, all I said was I was going to touch it. I didn't say 975. That's right. You're just going to kick the flywheel once, you know? Yeah. Like keep it moving. Yeah. And so then that's a way of getting around that negativity bias problem. That's really good. Hmm. And, and then there's this thing we thought of the other day, and I think this is when we decided we would do this particular topic. We decided that we could nourish our new mode to be on a oh. daily basis. This is true. And mm. I feel just as you say that, I feel suddenly inspired and creative <laughs> and I want to do it like to the max. <laughs> yes. I am going to nourish these, this mode to be so hard every single day. One rep max. I'm going to be so nourished. <laughs> my, my mode to be is going to be chock full of nourishment. How do we nourish our mode to be, Marty? Well, I think we've been, I think it's about always being free to go to the fun place and dream about it. Mm -hmm. So you're not just saying, okay, 975 words, asshole. You're saying, ah, imagine how it will be when I've got the brilliant ending that I haven't thought of yet. And imagine how we'll have champagne when I've finished this, you know, so you feed 
the joyful fantasies. Uh, so you're nourishing the fantasy of the goal, not just the yeah. the steps. You're not just nourishing the steps. You're nourishing the goal. Yeah. You bring That's in cool. more puppies, man. You bring in more puppies, and then the snake. They comes can't up, all get. get it. The <laughs> snake comes up, and you're like, get out of here, because we can tell each other, no, 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 not with the negativity, not with the like, glue yourself to the grindstone. This is our chance to just fantasize about how fabulous life is going to be when we've done the things. Mm. And it's fun. And that does give give you fuel. Especially when you're talking to another person. I could never do this on my own. No. It yeah. occurs to me. So I'm thinking if the folks out there are listening, you probably need a mode de vie nourishment buddy of some kind. But actually I would I would beg to differ because I've done this in my morning pages oh. so consistently. Um, morning pages are three pages of freehand writing every morning. Yeah. Julia yeah. Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. So just writing first thing in the morning and um, I can keep myself well bucked up when I'm in the, That's true. But first I've got to get up early enough to do the morning pages. <laughs> That's right. Doing your daily pages is part of your mode to be that you then drop. By the that I side. sometimes drop. But it's cool to think that think about it as getting back on the horse is something that we have to continuously do. You don't just get off, you know, fall off once, get back on, and then you're there. You will fall off, get back on, fall off. And speaking of horses, I remember when I used to do horse work with people uh, as coaching and um, like there was this one guy who was always pushing the horse to learn something. And then as soon as the horse learned it, he would push it to learn the next thing Mm. and never stop to give the horse positive reinforcement, give it a rest, Mm. let it breathe rub its neck, tell it it was a good horse, whatever. And I realized, oh, it's not just about the goal in front of us. It's about remembering and celebrating what you've done so far, even if it's little steps. Oh my God. Yeah. I did open the document yesterday. I did change one sentence. That's good. Good for me. And if I didn't, I'm going to be kind about that because you're never going to get any animal, a horse or your own body or anything to do what you want if you just punish it and drive it. Yeah, that's a really good point, Artie. Celebrate every single step forward, even if it's tiny. Give yourself congratulations and love. Yeah, we're going to feed those goals every day like a little animal. Yeah, I love it. So it kind of boils down to set your intentions, visualize your goals, but then be prepared to change them, Mm -hmm. hold them really lightly, Mm. and really nourish yourself along the way because that's the only kind of mode to be you really want. Right? Oh, I love that, Marty. I feel like this is going to be my new mode to be. Oh, I'm so tiny. And You're so, so tiny. tiny. We're all so tiny. So stay, stay wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is Bewildered Podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review and stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. 
maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.